I already believe that uh, what I have to say is uh, going to be answering to some measure Steve's prayer for us, which I hope we were able to enjoy wholeheartedly. I grew up in a home with two collectors. I've got two older brothers, and the eldest one collected postage stamps from a very early age. People used to write letters in those days with stamps on, and so there was plenty of opportunity to collect them. So the other brother, um, he went for matchbox labels. And again, uh, they were plentifully available. You find them in the streets. Uh, people used to smoke um, and light their fags with their uh, matches. And, and people had, had coal fires at home, so they would need matches to, to light the fires. So they had plenty um, of material to, to use. Now, they continued, it wasn't just a childhood thing, they continued through to adulthood, uh, and they're still collecting. They still have their interest, and um, my eldest brother particularly has, has won national competitions for, for what he has uh, presented, and, and they both lead organizations in the north of England for those um, particular areas of interest. As for me, well, I collected absolutely nothing. Um, I wasn't that kind of person, I suppose. Um, and yet, I'm a bit of a hoarder. Um, but anyway, that's another issue. Uh, things changed slightly when a few years ago, we started to go to the local cafe, and Grumpy Jean, who we got to know quite well, we called her Grumpy because it was difficult to get her to smile, and she did really have a downer on the half of the human race of which I belong. So I was thinking, is there a way I can do something for Grumpy Jean just to sort of lighten her mood? Well, one day, out on the table in the cafe, she put down the 50 pence coins, the Beatrix Potter collection. I think 2016, and um, she said that she was looking to make that collection for her granddaughter. But she had quite a few of them, but there were one or two that she hadn't yet come across. So, bright idea, let's see if I can find them. When I got home and I investigated, I found one that she wanted was Jemima Puddle Duck. Well, the reason she couldn't get it easily is because it's the rarest of the collection. You know, they're very um, subtle, the old uh, royal, the mint. Um, Benjamin Bunny, 200 million, they're everywhere, you know. But Beatrix Potter, 20 million. A bit more difficult to find. But would you believe it? Within three weeks, in my change, I found uh, a Jemima Puddle Duck. And I also had the, the, the coin in the center of the collection, which is um, Beatrix Potter herself, uh, which Grumpy Jean didn't have. She didn't even realize it was part of the collection. So imagine her surprise and delight when I was able to present that. But do you know, that got me looking. I thought, what about my grandchildren? Perhaps they would like a collection. Um, and then, of course, once you start 
collecting one thing, you then start looking at, well, what other designs are there? And when I came to NCBC and met Jess Baldry, found that she was collecting 50 pence coins and two pound coins. So I said, oh, what have you got? I'll show you what I've got, etc." And we've done a few swaps uh, over the last couple of years. Pandemic got in the way because nobody was using coins. Uh, so I've fallen on sort of harder times. Now, what's all that got to do with us? You might say, well, there's the two pound coins. Um, well, I want us to look this morning at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. This is all to do with collecting, would you believe? And uh, this is how we go. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these things in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love this passage. <laughs> Forgive me if I indulge myself. This is what I want to focus on this morning and to share with you. Make every effort to add to your faith. Make every effort to add to your faith. And this passage... It's, it's like one of those um, chocolate orange things. You can drop it and it breaks into segments. We're going to find out what God has done. And then we're going to look at what we must do. And then we'll look at what will follow. So, let me unpack this for you. 
Let me just now at this point consult my notes so I know where I'm going. What has God done? Peter says that he has exerted his power on our behalf. Now, who is Peter speaking to? Well, he is writing what we call as a general letter to the Christian church. It's not to a specific group, it's not to a named individual, but it's to anyone in the Christian community, and that letter would have been circulated. And it starts with this call to live a godly life. So Peter is addressing those who are calling themselves Christians, and that's who I'm speaking to this morning, primarily to those who say that they follow Jesus Christ. But there may be some here who are at the stage where they can't quite say that, but they are interested, they're seeking, they want to understand more about the Christian faith. Well, I'm speaking to you as well because you need to know what is expected of you if you commit yourself to Jesus Christ. It's nothing less than a godly life. This is the key thing as far as Peter is concerned to inform the churches about and to encourage Christians how they should conduct themselves. God has exerted his power on our behalf. He's provided all the resources necessary for the way of life to which he's called us. He doesn't call us to a godly life and then not do anything for us to help us. He's provided all the resources. He's informed us through scripture, but primarily of his own nature. He's told us about his glory and his goodness. And he encourages us in his word with many precious and great promises, Peter says. Now, some of you will know some of those promises because you keep them in your heart and your mind. They've comforted you at times. They've encouraged you at other times. I am with you wherever you go. I will be with you, says Jesus, till the very end of the age. Cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Many great and precious promises are provided for our encouragement. We're even called to share in the divine nature. Now that's not, uh, not some airy-fairy Eastern mystic idea. It's simply being godly is to be like God. So we need to know what God is like in order to then uh, try to be like him. Now there are some things about God, of course, we will never be like him in that. There are things which are, we say, incommunicable. It is God's own nature to be God. But yet he does call us to share certain qualities that he possesses, as we shall see. Through these things, he has helped us to escape the world's corrupting influence. He calls us to live a life different to those around us. 
And the key thing is that he has given us the faith that gets us started. As Steve prayed, but didn't complete everything, by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, so no one can boast. Your faith is a gift of God. It's not something you can work up. People say, how can you believe these things? You just know if you're a Christian believer that you do. Because you've been given the gift of faith. Now Peter says, you've been given that faith. I want you to know, he said, it's you've received a faith as precious as ours. Peter was an apostle. Three years he lived with Jesus. One, uh, you know, went wherever Jesus went. Listened to Jesus' teaching. Experienced what it was like to be so close to the very Son of God. But he says, the faith you have is as precious as ours. We who saw him, who knew him. You see, because they also received faith. They also were given that gift of faith. So he says, what you have is as precious as what I have. And that applies to us too. We're not second class. We're not, we, because we're not apostles, we're somehow missing out. No, we have received the gift of faith. But Peter says, now you must add to that. And he uses a simple word, which means you collect something and you bring it and you put it down in a, in a particular place. Go, bring it back. Go, bring it back. There's all these things, he says, I want you to add to your faith. It won't disappear. You keep adding. It's the kind of word he uses is like super adding. You keep on adding, adding, adding as, as you live your life. You need to respond to the gift of faith by adding. So this is where we have to make our response. We've just seen what God has done for us. Now this is what we must do. We must add. And just before we look at those just want to say another thing. The word um, add is, is an interesting word in the original language. It comes from the world of Greek drama and theater. In the, in the first century, the Greek theater was uh, promoted by the government. So they provided the theaters with certain resources. But there were, there were some people who would be wanting to put on their, their show, and they would think rather that the, the government resources were rather limited, but they, they would add, they would provide out of their own resources. So these had to be people, of course, who were, who were rich, but they would become like uh, the, in, in charge of the, the choir or the chorus in the Greek theater. And what it would require is, is 
that they would want to make their show the best in town. And they want their performers to have no worries, but just concentrate on the performance. So what they would do is accommodate them, provide them with their food for as long as the production lasted. They would make sure if there was anything spectacular that they would get that done. You know, the real fireworks for the production. That's the word Peter uses here. Add to your faith. Be lavish in the way you live your Christian life. To become godly. It's not something, brothers and sisters, which is austere and, you know, making you like grumpy Jean, you know, oh, it's a hard life and so on. No, it is meant to be a life of blessing and joy. And our participation is to make every effort to add to our faith. So, he starts with seven qualities. Peter's a Jew. Seven is a special number to a Jew. Uh, it's associated with things like, you know, the seven days of creation. And the seventh day was a, a day when God blessed. You know, this was the Sabbath day. God had completed his work. So in the Jewish mind, blessing is associated with the number seven. So here we are, seven qualities that you can add for a blessed life. And he starts with goodness. This is a word which means moral excellence. I think we understand what goodness is if we see it. And, and Peter says, that's what you need to be showing. You need to be adding that to your faith. It must be evident that you are a good person. Now, God himself is good. This is one of his qualities which he can communicate with us. He is good, and he wants us to be good if we are to be godly. And then we have knowledge, a rather dangerous word for Peter to use, because in the first century, there were Greeks called Gnostics, which is where the Greek word for knowledge, gnosis, comes from. These, these are people who said, you know, we're the people with the knowledge, okay? But to have that knowledge, you've got to come and belong to our society. You've got to be initiated into our group because we're the people in the know. We've got things to share with you about God. So it's a dangerous word for Peter to use. But as far as he's concerned, knowledge is key. In fact, in that passage I read, three times it comes in. We know about God, but we have to add to our knowledge. And as we'll see later, he wants our knowledge only to increase. So it's a key idea. And what we have in Scripture, this idea of, of knowledge that comes through our New Testament teaching, is a knowledge about God which works out in practice. It's not knowledge up here for knowledge's sake. 
It's knowledge that works out in everyday life. And then, rather surprisingly, self-control. But, you know, if you read all the apostles, this is a key idea. They lived at a time when there was great immorality. And perhaps we do too. And this is a word which means self-mastery. Like an athlete in training. We know if if you're familiar with, with Paul's teaching on the fruit of the Spirit, it is a fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's what happens when the Holy Spirit is operating in our lives. When the Apostle Paul was preaching before the Roman governor Felix, he preached that he had a three-point sermon, righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. And after a while, Felix said, okay, I've had enough. I'll listen to you some other time. Okay, I don't want to hear any more of this self-control and of judgment. But here it is. And then we have perseverance. This is a patient continuance while waiting. We're waiting for the coming of Christ. We have to be patient. There are trials and difficulties that sometimes we, we experience and we are required to remain under them, determined to live for God. There is godliness, that inner response to the things of God which shows itself by reverence. And being like God requires that we, we model ourselves upon what we know of him. Then there's mutual affection. And this relates particularly to being within the body of believers. We are family. We love one another. We support one another. We do good for one another. This is mutual affection. And then, love. Love is more than that. Because love extends not only to our relationship with God, but our relationship to our fellow men and women. Because it's, love is that quality where we seek always the highest good of another. And we know it is also a fruit of the Holy Spirit as he is at work within us. So here, these are seven qualities that Peter says we must add to our faith. And we do so by making every effort. That making every effort has in it. So it's a word which, which has several thoughts in it, one of which is diligence, getting on with it, another is speed, going about it as, as, as best we may and as quickly as we may. So the key idea is make every effort to add to your faith. Now, what will follow? 
There's a few negatives. What if you end up, as it were, just stagnating? You're caught up in the present moment. You're forgetting that your sins have been forgiven and you've started out on a life of godliness. Peter describes that as being short-sighted. You can't see very far. The opposite is to be far-sighted and to look to your final goal, where you are aiming and how you intend to get there. And he says you'll be kept from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Christ. Your knowledge, which must have a practical outcome. When I went into the sixth form, I discovered that maths is pure maths and applied maths. There are some people who just do the airy-fairy pure maths, okay, which apparently has got nothing to do with real life, and there's the other lot that do the applied maths, make it relevant, particularly to the world of physics. But it's surprising when the scientists in their explorations end up with a problem. So they turn to the pure mathematicians and say, have you got anything that will help us to understand what we've discovered? And time and time again, the pure mathematicians can come up with the goods. And they say, well, try this. See if this theory works. See if this, in this situation, and it happens all the time. The pure mathematicians are the real thinkers, and, but what they're thinking of, we find later, does apply to the life in which, which we are, uh, the area, sorry, the, the uh, whatever, the environment in which we live. <laughs> okay. okay. If we're far-sighted, Peter says, we'll never stumble, and we will receive a rich welcome into Christ's eternal kingdom. And the word he uses for a rich welcome is the same word that he uses about the chorus master, the director of the Greek theater, lavishing everything on it. So he's saying, if you make every effort to add to your faith, they're going to pull out all the stops for you when your journey is over and when you arrive. Good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your reward. Now, there are various responses we can have. Um, we can increase our understanding, our knowledge, and, and so on. Now, some of you might be interested in really exploring some of the, the language here, the Greek words. You don't have to be a specialist. You know, there's plenty of internet resources that let you look at the original language, and then you can explore what the word means, particularly what it means in Scripture itself. I'm not one of these people who come to you with an English dictionary, you know, published in the last few years and say, well, this is what love means. Uh-uh. It's what does love mean in the New Testament. We'll only find by looking up all the verses where the word love appears um, and, and checking things out like that. 
If you're that kind of minded, that might be something that you want to turn your attention to for a short while. Or you may just simply want to use internet resources to explore these. You know, keep it all in English, fine, but trace these words through scripture. But this knowledge must inform your actions. It's no good having this knowledge for knowledge's sake. It must be effective in your everyday life. I wonder, do you write a journal? Perhaps for a short while, you might want to focus on these seven qualities and ask yourself regularly the question, where today have I showed that quality? Where have I added to my faith? You might want to make these things a matter of personal prayer. Again, beginning of the day, Lord, help me to be godly. Help me to be loving. Help me to add these qualities to the life in which I live. You might want to you know, keep a list of these things nearby, in your wallet, in your handbag, on your phone, in order to look at them from time to time. Just for a while, you know, there'll be another sermon next week. So, you know, it's just, just for a while to focus on this thing. Now, you could say, well, this is just another worship service. It's just another sermon. And as soon as we've sung the last hymn, had the last prayer, your interest is in coffee and, or going home or whatever. It's so easy. That can just be snatched away from you. But if you leave unchanged, there's no point in having been here. You know, we come to worship God. We come to engage with God. And here he's saying, this is how I want you to live through his apostle Peter. So we're called to a holy life. We're called to action. We're called to cooperate in the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. He's wanting to do that within us. Are you up for it? Let's commit ourselves to living the godly life so that Jesus will be glorified. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Peter. That was great, more than great, really good, thank you. Um, I'm sure there's lots of us to think about there. Um, so we'll just take a moment just to reflect on what Peter said, and then we're going to worship, which will hopefully build on what's going through our minds. We're going to sing a, a worship song called Here is Love, Vast as the Ocean. So we'll take a few moments just to reflect, and then the music group will, will lead us in this song.
just as the ocean loving kindness as the flood when the prince of life our ransom shed for us his precious blood through his love will not Kiss the guilty.